Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. I think we're on week seven now of uh, COVID-19 COVID-19, yeah. COVID-19 podcast. Uh, my co-host is Bruce Aldrich. We're in the backyard of his home in Sacramento and probably eight feet apart, doing our best to um, be safe. And uh, today we have on a gentleman who's going to help us with in, in the world of insurance uh, in this um, crazy world in which we're we're now, what, two months into, and um, his name is Dan Carr, and he's the founder of ValChoice, which is described as a free online grading tool that allows consumers to see what is strong and weak about their insurance coverage. Uh, Dan, we th- thank you for being our guest today, and um, welcome to our, our podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I hope we didn't already lose half of the audience because we said it was about insurance. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, hey, we got to step it up now. My, my, my dad was in a marine insurance, and so he would, he, I, I understand all that stuff about the boring nature of it, but he, he, he made marine insurance sound good. So car insurance, everybody has to have it. So we'll, we'll, we'll get through it somehow. Um, well, I guarantee this will be the most interesting conversation you've ever had about insurance. But that might, you might not feel like you just got much from me on that. Yeah, okay. Um, it, in the coronavirus, we'll start with this. That, that we, everybody's read, I think, or most people have read about how the insurance companies are um, trying to help with the, either a percentage back or delayed payments or a variety of different programs. Could you start with us today, Dan, about giving uh, an overview of your company and then tying it into... Uh, your thoughts and expertise on where car insurance and other kinds of insurance are in the coronavirus situation that we're in. Yeah, sure. So let me start with why I started the company. I was um, an exec in, in Silicon Valley for a technology company, and I was hit while riding my bicycle, and I was pretty pretty seriously injured. Um, what I found, uh, it was quite a while later, I started getting letters that I was going to be taken to collections for not paying my medical bills. And I thought there's got to be a misunderstanding here. I was fully insured. And so I started calling my health insurance company and they were just refusing to pay because it was an auto accident. And the driver that hit me, uh, the insurance company for, for that driver who was hundred percent at fault, uh, they just were going to wait until the two year statute of limitations was up before they had to pay anything. And when they finally did, it didn't cover the medical bills because it was a small policy. So I went to my own underinsured motors coverage, and they fought me for years. And I was shocked. I was absolutely stunned that this could even happen. Um, and You're getting my blood when it boiling. Was all over. I hear these yeah, stories all the yeah. time. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's funny how it changed my life. You know, it started out. I was I was really hurt, and I was only focused on getting well physically. And by the time we were several years into it. it took me about three years to recover phys- physically. I was still trying to get my money back. And, you know, by then I was becoming angry. You know, it's like, okay, this is a fight. This isn't a friendly engagement. And so it, uh, it was tough. But anyway, when it was all over, I vowed I was going to completely change what I do. I left my job. Uh, I founded a different kind of technology company, a data analytics company, ValChoice, that our mission is to bring transparency to insurance so people know what they're getting in a very easy to understand way. So it's not complicated like we hear about. You know, a lot of people think it's really complicated. We make it easy to understand. So we're, we're all about helping consumers make good decisions. I heard someone, uh, a writer, 
describe your company as the Carfax of uh, for insurance companies. In other words, it gives, gives the public knowledge of, of what's going on behind the scenes, where normally you don't have any knowledge. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, so look at the, the auto insurance industry is kind of the perfect example. It, last year, in 2019, the three largest auto insurance companies spent collectively just about $5 billion on advertising. That's an enormous amount of money. And I actually did the calculation once. If you took the you know, kind of an average budget of the big companies of a billion dollars in advertising, uh, my, my claims could have been paid 24,000 times out of the advertising budget, but instead wow. mm. the money continued to go towards advertising and, and, uh, you know, making me really work hard to get it. So, so yeah, we collect data from departments of insurance across the country. We look at every company, every auto and every home insurance company in every single state where they operate. And we grade them on how uh, the value they offer, how well they pay claims and their overall service. So those three things, provide all the information to consumers for free on our website. And in total, we're grading about 25,000 companies when you break them down by state in, you know, in all these different places. So it's, it's a lot of data that we go through. Sounds like it. Do you leave any out or do you just you use them all? Whatever the Department of Insurances are reporting, that's what you use. We don't leave them out unless there's, enough, unless there's not enough data to grade them accurately. So we actually go through, we have criteria, minimum revenue levels and minimum periods of time of operating in a state because when the data, when the data set's not large enough, it's hard to ensure the accuracy of it. So we have strict criteria that we adhere to on that, but otherwise we grade every single company in the industry. So like, I don't know, I'll just pick one, Geico. So Geico could have a really good claims, uh, policy or procedures in California, but it could be horrible in Indiana, say. Is that true? Yeah, well, kind of. So first of all, if we take that as an example, Geico has about 10 different companies that operate underneath the Geico umbrella. So we, we grade all of them, and they vary a little bit depending on the type of market they're serving and things like that. What tends to drive the biggest change from, from state to state really is competitive environment. And based on that competitive environment, the companies sometimes will decide, you know, I don't really care about growing my business in, you know, name a state, whatever it happens to be. And so it changes the behavior as a result of that. And with the data that we collect and look at, we're really able to determine how interested are they in that market? How are they performing for their customers? Uh, and it's uh, and, and a lot of it comes down to the management style of the company. I mean, as we started doing this, we would we'd always look for patterns and say, are certain types of companies better than others, like publicly traded or mutual companies or regional companies? We'd break it down all kinds of different ways. And what we've, we've been at this for seven years now. What we've determined over time, it's management style and it's company culture. And, it, you know, it's, it's things that people can never know without doing the kind of data analytics that we do and looking at how they operate, how they operate consistently, what's causing changes in the way they operate, really figured out. And so we do all that on behalf of consumers and it makes it easy for consumers to make their decision. The insurance commissioners, they put a lot of rules on these uh, companies, right? But, but there is flexibility, apparently, and, and management style's got to help. Well, so you think about the, what the insurance commissioners are doing. First and foremost, they want to make sure that companies are not going out of business, that they're financially viable. 
Now, there's a lot of money that gets paid into these companies to make sure they can protect people when something happens. Their job is fundamentally make sure those companies survive. And if there's a problem there, you know, they, they do that a variety of ways. One is they're, they're looking at their performance over time from a financial perspective, not as much from a claims handling perspective. And if they're starting to see that they don't have enough uh, money in reserve to be able to, if something bad happened, to be able to pay the claims, then they start to take action to address that. And it can be a variety of different actions. But that almost, that doesn't translate very tightly into how a company performs on its claims handling service. And so when it comes to claims handling, which is a lot of what we emphasize, it's really the quality of the product as opposed to just the price of the product. That's what we try and get people to think about. So when it comes to claims handling, what we really need to to make companies perform better there is not more regulation because that's that's a hard thing to regulate. It's transparency. And when with transparency, when, when consumers see which companies handle claims well and which don't, some amount of them will say, well, okay, the price is, is not low enough to justify a poor claim service, so I'll just take my business somewhere else. And when consumers start to do that, the companies that don't perform well will begin to perform better because the market's forcing them to do that. And the, the efficiency of the market in things like this works really, really well. Dan, looking at some of the information that was provided um, by uh, Anna Walsh, um, I'm just going to read a little bit about this. It says that uh, Dan has been contacted by many consumers who are finding out their car insurance rebates for COVID-19 are not as good as what has been reported. Uh, And then it lists some examples, uh, Farmers, Liberty, Mutual, Nationwide, and Travelers, $25 to $30 per vehicle, and then there's a list of others. And, and, and reading that, um, I don't want to say it sounds sarcastic, but it sounds informative. So are these companies um, not being completely truthful or are they putting a spin on how they're marketing, how, what a wonderful thing that they're providing during this uh, COVID-19? Give us some perspective on that and um, what a consumer can look for. How, how do we know, how does a consumer know that, boy, my insurance company says that they're going to do this, this, and this, and is it? your opinion that it's just not true in many cases? No, not, not that it isn't true. It's what they're doing is, is absolutely true and honest. And, and I think it's great what they're doing. However, there's some real limitations to what's being done. And so, you know, let's kind of break it down how it played out. Yes. When the rebates started to be announced, what was announced, which makes sense from a, from an insurance company point of view, are huge dollar figures about we're rebating. The first one that came out was $800 million. It's like, oh my gosh, $800 million. That's massive. When you break that down to what does that mean per policyholder for that particular company is about $30. That's almost nothing, right? I mean, when you, when you think, yeah, when you think about what's the percentage, it's hard to say, but probably some of the informal polls I've done as much as 75% of families have, a car parked or, or, you know, how it depends on how many cars they have, maybe multiple cars parked and they rarely drive one. I estimate for us in the last couple of months, we've maybe driven 200 miles. You know, it's nothing. Yes. And so, so the reality here is that the cost to insure the cars has gone down really dramatically, particularly in, in urban and suburban areas in the cities, not as much in rural areas In rural areas. Life is still a bit more normal. So, it doesn't affect all companies and all people the same from that perspective. But what was done with these rebates is we just did a flat rebate across the board to everybody. And it, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of, 
you know, I understand the wanting to do something quickly, but I think in the interest of wanting to do something quickly and a couple of companies really wanting to get a marketing message out about, Hey, look how great we are. We're really helping people out. It kind of got lost about how to really help people. And the way to really help people would be to target it towards who's not driving, target it towards, uh, if I were driving, I don't care if I get a rebate or not, mm-hmm. but give it to the person that lost their job, right? And they have one car parked and they might not even insure it anymore because they don't need it at all. Adjust the coverage in a way that really helps people that need that savings more desperately than others do while we're in these difficult times. Uh, and I think that would have, I think that would have played out much better. It'd be more paperwork, but it would have played out much better in terms of really helping society. But I look at this, this was a, this was a marketing move. This absolutely started out as a marketing move to grab the headlines and it worked brilliantly. It was a great marketing move. It kind of forced all the other companies to come along and do it in the same way. There wasn't really the opportunity to change things that do it in a way that, uh, that would satisfy the individual needs of the, of the policyholders more effectively. And I, and I think that's, that's unfortunate. I just actually put a blog post up today on bellchoice.com saying a conversation between my wife and I about what are we going to do with our car insurance rebate? And the answer was nothing because we can't find anybody to sell us half a dinner. You know, it wasn't enough money to go out to half a dinner. Um, and you know, that, I think that's how a lot of people are feeling. And the, the mention of angry consumers contacting us, consumers actually don't contact us directly that often. They use our information, but we don't hear back that often. I started getting these emails from people. They were really angry and the reason often was because they got a price increase and a and the rebate at the same time, <laughs> or roughly the same time. Oh and my the, gosh! <laughs> and the and the price increase was more than the rebate, and that really really angered some people. I was going to make a a, uh, a comparison, and now now I don't know if whether it's stimulus a, checks, a stimulus that checks. I haven't got now, yet. Thank you, thank you, Bruce. You took the thought out of my head. So you get stimulus checks and. Um, the number of friends who have gotten them or not gotten them, my wife and I got ours, and we're not in the category of just uh, you know buying whatever we want. We're we, we're middle class people, and we it, yeah, it was nice to get it, but we're not in the category of people who really need it. Um, you know, other people who um, have lost jobs or are very low income, th- those are the people who needed it the most. And as I understand, a lot of those people haven't gotten it yet. Um, so. Is is there? I guess there's a comparison to what you're talking about. It it just seems to be. Um, not... I thought he was talking about it for a minute. Then <laughs> went, went, oh yeah, insurance. And then okay. then he said insurance. But I I just think that um, you make a very good point that uh, on the surface it sounds great. Somebody's going to give you money. Somebody's going to give you a rebate. But how it's marketed is makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> it was. You can really tell who the marketing companies are, and it's. You know, I always say marketing companies aren't necessarily great insurance companies. My right. my company nationwide, they've been uh, I've gotten several emails from them about all this money that they're paying back, and I'm supposed to get fifty bucks each month that this goes on. And so far, we've got March and April that they assured they're going to give me fifty bucks for. Still haven't seen it. Still haven't seen it. Um, I know it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, uh, Dan, to look into the crystal ball, but. Um, a few months from now or a year from now or three years from now or next week, for that matter, wh- where do you see with your expertise, where do you, how do you see the insurance companies, where are they going to take this? What what might they do in more marketing or what might they do to be um, you know straight up about the whole thing? Do you have any predictions in those areas? 
Yeah. Well, when is an insurance company going to be straight up? Yeah. Tell us that. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a little conflict. <laughs> sorry. Oxymoron. Sorry. I, I, I missed that. Say that again. Uh, the, the whole question was, um, do you have an idea of uh, what the next move or moves from insurance companies might be when, you know, we can we can get through the uh, COVID-19 crisis or at least if we're on the path to uh, a new normal? There's there's different approaches. And and so I, I think what we'll see with the the really big companies is probably more the same. You know, assuming assuming that the driving stays low, there's going to continue to be pressure to refund some money. I think we'll continue to see small amounts distributed broadly across a, the entire customer base. Some of the other companies, some of the, um, I, I guess you could call them more niche market companies, whether they're serving high-end clientele or rural communities, or you know, there's, there's different kinds of markets that get served through insurance. I think we'll see them tailor it more towards what that clientele needs. Um, and so that could be adjusting coverage. I know some companies that are, that are open to adjusting coverage and, and other, and other companies aren't as open to it because they're not seeing the changes in the driving patterns. That's the direction I'd like to see it go really help the individual. They have all the data. They know who's, who's commuting, who's driving a lot, who isn't, um, you know, help that individual because it can be so much more powerful, so more, so much more meaningful to really tailor it, which is how the insurance is priced from the beginning anyway. When it's sold to all of us, it's priced based on how we're going to use our vehicles. So that data already exists. So modifying it isn't that difficult. Dan, you mentioned niche markets, and it reminds me of uh, collector car market uh, insurance companies like Haggerty, for example. I have Haggerty on one of my cars because you don't drive it much, and it's an old uh, classic. So... Do you have information on those type of uh, insurance companies? I'd be really curious what I think, from what I've heard and all, Haggerty is just fantastic in, in claims payouts. But, you know, I don't really know. Is something like Haggerty's in your, uh, in your data? Yeah, so yeah. So we grade literally every, every car insurance and every home insurance company out there. Um, and so anybody can go to valchoice.com and go to the ratings section and get and get ratings on any on any company. But but the point you bring up is an important one because one of the things a company like Hagerty does is they let people furlough vehicles or put them in storage. And you might do California you might not do this because you can drive it year round. Out here in the Northeast, lots of people do this because you don't want those nice and classic cars out there with all the salt on the roads and things like that. Um, and so allowing people to furlough or store vehicles can lead to tremendous savings. And this can be, this is absolutely an option for consumers, but a lot of companies don't like it. And so it isn't always available from, you know, from each of the companies. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we don't furlough out here. That's a new term for me. I yeah. wish we could, but uh, anyway, it's so much cheaper. Haggerty's and if I'd uh, done it with a regular carrier, my gosh, it's, a quarter of the price. Plus, we love Haggerty Magazine. Just as an aside, yeah. they have the best mag best car yeah. magazine of do, anybody. Do you write who has the best magazine? Yeah, yeah. we just love Haggerty Magazine. <laughs> um, Dan, in, in another area, um, you know, you mentioned uh, in the information I received about this the free online grading tool. But in putting you on the spot a little bit, it's your business, and and uh, how how do you make your money? And tell us 
not I would never ask how much, of course, but tell us how you make your money and and um, a little bit more about your site. How have you found your way in terms of all the other in- insurance uh, affiliated uh, websites? Not that you're affiliated with companies, but insurance is a big topic, and there are a lot of insurance companies out there. So how are you in the, on the web? What have you learned and where have you taken your company? I think you said seven years. Yeah, so it's been a lot of technology development. So the first way I'm going to answer that question is start with all the different services that we offer. We started with the ratings, and the ratings were because I, I stopped and thought, after being hit by a vehicle and not being able to get my medical bills paid, what do I wish I would have known? I wish I would have known how good companies are about paying claims. And so that's the very first thing we did. That took quite a while. That took a couple of years to develop that. Um, and then we've moved on and done more things from there. So one of the next things that we did is we built calculators because most people start with their insurance shopping experience based on price, which is understandable. The $5 billion we talked about earlier mostly talks about come to us to get the best price. So people that we're all trained to only think about price when it's not the most important thing. Um, so with calculators, now people can say, well, is my price fair? And, if, and, and a lot of people just want to know if it's fair. It doesn't have to be the best. It has to be fair, but it has to be good quality too. So we built those and we have different versions of calculators, some very sophisticated, some very rudimentary, just to, you know, some people like to just find out quickly. Some people want to go through all the steps. Uh, that was also a big technology development. And then kind of the third thing we have is we list who the best five companies are in each state. And this is something brand new that we're doing. We've just started doing it. And, and so now people can either come to our site and say, I care about price and shop that way. They can say, I can care about quality and shop that way. Or they can say, I just want to make this easy. I just want to get the best. Show me who the best companies are. And so the, those are kind of the three ways that we the way we're working to monetize this, which is, um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole different challenge. You should talk to my wife about this one. Now. Yes. Uh, she, 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 uh, uh, she's my board, I guess you could say, and has, and is applying some pressure on me. <laughs> gotcha. It's been a big investment. That's what wives do. Has. They do that. Most uh, wives do that. Pressure. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I haven't raised any venture capital money for this. So I've self-funded it because it lets me really be true to the mission that I have here, which is put honest, reliable information out there for people. I've had offers from, from different places around the industry that I could make hundreds of thousands of dollars per month uh, if I would just change my grading system. I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. That doesn't work. And so the way we're working to monetize it is put these tools in the hands of agents that represent the best companies and let those agents use that to better communicate with consumers. We have you at the best company. You're already with the best company. Be able to sell on value in this era of all the focuses on price with insurance and help people be comfortable that they're really getting what they want. Because I always say, it doesn't matter how little your insurance costs. If they won't pay your claim, it was a waste of money. That's and that sure. was my case. I'd been yes. with the same company for over 20 years, and I wasted every single dollar I paid for over 20 years because I had no idea. Right. With near tragedy, you found out, right? I did. But when you find out in this market, it's too late. Yes. There's not anything you can do. I was fortunate. I lived in California at the time that has very good consumer protection laws. There are a lot of states where I never would have recovered the money. 
I would have just had to either file bankruptcy or pay the medical bills and just, you know, consider it gone. Now, well, D- uh, Dan, you, uh, this, the way you're describing things, um, it's almost like, uh, if you're into purchasing, you're a day trader. I mean, you need to stay up on this, right? Just because you've had XYZ that was number one at the time and it's two years later, you have to review this, you know, every time, uh, Oh yeah. You're, uh, you're, uh, you need to get a new policy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Every, pe- people should review their insurance at least every few years. Yeah. I mean, every few years is probably an okay frequency, but, but first of all, most people have no idea if they're with a good company or not right now. They just know what they hear on the advertisements and from the agent. I thought I but knew. They, now they I'm, don't really know. <laughs> I don't know anything. I'm We're going to learn now. today after we get on your website. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, this information has never been available before. And, and so web reviews are meaningless because we have a web review section on our, on our website. Nobody wants to write a web re- review on an insurance company unless, unless they're really angry or they're getting paid. And so you, know, you can just throw all of those out. The interaction between consumers and insurance companies over real issues isn't at a high enough frequency that web reviews can really capture that properly. Yes, that's a good and, point. I hadn't thought user, about that. Users, yeah, it's absolutely true. And user surveys, I've spent a lot of time looking at the user surveys. It, you can word the question however you want to make the results come out the way you want it to so that you can sell a high-priced award to the company that will pay the price. And I won't say all companies do that, but we do see a lot of that. So we use public data. I mean, people can go look at the data if, they, if they're really, really bored. <laughs> they can go look at the data and try and figure out how we've done it. And, but you know, I've had people go look at it and say, yeah, it seems like you're generally right. I mean, it's, it's fairly transparent uh, other, than, other than our algorithms. So everybody should do a chat to say, is this really any good? Because I thought I was with a great company. I used to meet with my agent. agent I'd see him around town. We knew each other. I had no idea this could ever happen to me. Um, but then the companies do change over time. They have management changes. The market changes. You know, there's a, there's a variety of things. They decide they're not interested in growing their business in that state because there's too much exposure there. Uh, and there's a variety of things that can happen that change that change their needs as a business. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's they they need to thrive in their own way as well. But it might not be right for the consumer anymore. And what that consumer needs to do is be paying attention to how their life has changed. When you shop in your 20s, and price is all that matters because you think you're invincible and your budget is tight, that's no longer true when you're in your 40s and you have assets and you have a family. People should always be rethinking this as they go through it. And I sound like I'm a huge um, you know, insurance person. I don't, I don't come from the insurance world at all. I came from the outside, the high-tech world, but I've learned so much while doing this. It's actually pretty interesting. It's very important for people to protect themselves. Yes. All good advice, yes. Well, that's Dan, that's a, a great way uh, to sum up um, – our time with you today. We, I, I think in the last 30 minutes, I think what, what, what I read something last night is that if somebody uh, forwards you some information on the, in mail or an email, you, you get so much you have to absorb, but you can't absorb it. So you have to go back and read about it again. So I think that's going to be a task I'll have to do today or tomorrow to read up on the insurance again, but, oh boy, but, oh boy it's going to be a coffee um, time, coffee time and uh, cure for insomnia and all that. But I'm, I joke of course, but we, we want to thank, um, Dan Carr, the founder of, of um, Val, I'm sorry, um, 
Val Choice. Val Choice. I just had I just had a a middle a middle aged Val Choice with a V. Val Choice with a V. dot com and. Dan, particularly in this time when we're going through the coronavirus, um, he's, his company's providing a great service for consumers to find out what's going on with their insurance. And um, Dan, thanks so much for being our guest. You, I'm, you said so much, I'm going to have to absorb it for a few days at least to go find out what, what insurance is all about again. So, so thanks so much yeah, for all of lot, your expertise. Dan. Yeah, thank you, James and Bruce. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. We'll be back in touch. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye.